and welcome to Talking Bottom. I'm Angela Pearson. I'm Paul Tanter. And I'm Matt Brooks. And in today's very special themed episode, we're going to be talking about class and poverty. We are doing a special series to commemorate the 30th anniversary of Bottom airing. This is episode number two of our special theme series. It's impossible to talk about the British sitcom without class entering the conversation. Whether you're upper, middle or working class, it's woven into society's structure and our DNA. No comedy fan can talk about class in Britain without thinking of the class sketch from The Frost Report in 1966. If anybody doesn't know it, you should look it up. John Cleese, Ronnie Barker and Ronnie Corbett stand side by side, demonstrating in few short minutes and in their stature uh, precisely why our upper classes look down upon both the middle and the lower, and the middle class is stuck in the middle with a sense of both inferiority and superiority over the working class. And Ronnie Corbett, of course, says, I know my place. It is a a good sketch. it? It is a great sketch. And, of course, the three traditional classes, just so that we can go over it, um, are lower, uh, sorry, the three traditional classes are upper, middle and working class. But did you guys know that there are now seven categories? No. Well. (laughs) Apparently, um, um, it's no longer, it's much more nuanced than the three. So when when I was looking into this for this particular episode, I found that middle class splits into three categories in itself. You have lower middle, middle, and then upper middle. So when you talked about that sketch on the Frost Report, John Cleese calls himself upper class in that. And Mm. you do have the upper class, which is separate to the middle class. But when you look at him, you feel like he's probably more upper middle. Yep. Uh, with the bowler hat and the briefcase and so that kind of thing. So what is upper, upper class, like so, Jeff Bezos or something? Upper is like aristocracy. It's it's the landed gentry. Okay, yeah, yeah so, so it's not just being rich, it's being like royalty or lords. Yeah. That's how stuff. it's always been traditionally. I mean, it, the elite is what it's now called, the very mm. top level. Can and you... they, they own and have the most wealth. Yeah, and sure. I think it's that idea, obviously, now that you can't just be born into yeah. your social class. Of course, there's upward movement through the classes and you 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 can attain your class through your wealth and your social status can change throughout your life whereas i think previously people have always thought whatever you're born that's what you are yeah oh this this one's gonna be funny as hell isn't it i can tell (laughs) but we're just gonna look obviously we're gonna you know ground it in the idea so with comedy obviously (laughs) um so and you said there were seven different types we know there was upper um, I, am I right in thinking lower middle, middle and upper middle were three of the other types? They, they're Why not now. They should, it should be called middle, middle. As well, not just middle. Yeah. Middle, middle. True. <laughs> it could be. Middle, middle. But now uh, I'll go through them and I won't pretend to be able to break them all down okay. in any kind of um, official way. But the So this is according to the 2013 The Great British Class Survey. It's elite, which is wealthy and privileged. Then there is the established middle class. Right. Then there is the technical middle class. There is the affluent new worker. There is the traditional working class. There is the emergent service worker. And then there is the precarious proletariat. Okay. That's is that like prole? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's where you get the term prole from, obviously. And are these modern definitions? I believe so, because I always thought that it was your underclass, the working class, the middle class, lower and upper. And then you had upper class and, and like landed gentry, like like you were saying. Yeah. So I think we're all brought up within this structure, aren't we? But there's such confusion over what it actually can mean. And now, of course, it's it's not just your wealth and your education or your occupation. It's now just looking at like obviously various different factors in your economical, social, and cultural. Mm. So it's much more complicated than just yeah. 
what your job is. In preparation for this episode, I was looking at a lot of comedy from the perspective of, as you said there, Ange, you've got the upper slash aristocratic people, you've got the three definitions of the middle class, mm. and then you had what one would call working class and a sort of undefinable... Oh, I don't want to use the word underclass because that sounds... That sounds offensive now, doesn't it? Yeah. But that's how I... When I was a teenager, that yeah. was a phrase that I'd heard. Because I imagine this will be a, quite a good topic for us to talk about in that a lot of the things that would be defined as working class 50 years ago now it's up for debate whether they're working class or if someone's unemployed are they working class or are they something else is vicky pollard working class you know there's a sort of weird kind of nebulous uh, sort of definition there yeah like, absolutely because obviously where you are in your job, obviously there's like white collar workers, there's blue collar workers, which I think was the old way of like defining it. I mean, we'll get onto the comedy soon. But the, <laughs> the idea being that obviously you either got a desk job or you've got a manual labor job. Yeah. And now it's much more nuanced because you can have a manual labor job, but you can be earning much more than someone who's in, in a clerical role. That's really true, yeah. So it's much more complicated now yeah. than just, do you work with your hands? Do yeah. you work behind a desk? Were you born into money? Well, the film industry, look at that. Like the, uh, A lot of the technicians, the grips and the sparks, uh, who are the electricians, earn a lot mm. of money. I've uh, been on a music video and the producer went outside for a cigarette and was like, well, what all these Mercedes and, and all these cars? I'm in the wrong fucking job. Yeah, the general sort of definitions that I found on Wikipedia, which as we know is always incredibly accurate, sort of kind of define things as lower middle would be things like office workers, travel agents, local government workers, generally not having university education and they have local accents. And the definition they give there is hyacinth bouquet. Middle middle would be accountants, architects, teachers, doctors. They read broadsheets, and the, and the definition there they gave actually was Margot Ledbetter, which I was assumed I was assumed she was upper middle, but I guess that's kind of the joke with her in that she's actually aspiring to be even more than she is, even though she's middle middle. Who's this? From Margot Ledbetter from The Good Life. Okay. And then the other one is upper middle, who speak in, receive pronunciation, go to private schools. And they're the kind of people that I always thought were upper class, but actually when you think upper class is the landed gentry, then people like Boris Johnson and David Cameron are upper middle. Because so immediately you think of yes, minister. Yeah, yeah, that's upper middle. Um, but those things, they, as you guys said, they kind of get blurred now through some jobs don't earn as much as they used to. They don't have the sort of status they used to. Other jobs earn a lot more. Plumbers are, are, are seen as working class, yet they're economically a lot it's better off than a lot of, you know, aristocrats. It's water Lego, isn't it? Water Lego, what's yeah. that? Plumbing. Oh, right. Super hands quote. Right. For, um, <laughs> so anyway, can I uh, ask you guys, what's the title of this podcast? <laughs> it's Talking Bottoms. There so, we are. Okay, so what class are uh, Richie and Eddie? Well, so I was going to talk just a little bit about in sitcom. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll yeah. lead into it. But oh, yeah. you're absolutely right to be like, we should. So just to obviously place this within comedy, these are all names that you're going to know. But for working class comedies, obviously you've got Porridge, you've got Bread, you've got Birds of a Feather, you've got Rising Damp, you've got The Likely Lads, you've got Steptoe and Son, you've got Hancock's Half Hour, you've got Only Fools and Horses. More slightly modern, but not particularly, The Royal Family. And if you're going into the middle class genre, you're looking at keep, keeping up appearances, The Good Life, Faulty Towers, Hyacinth Bouquet, of course, Reggie Perrin. For the middle class sitcoms, you've got Keeping Up Appearances, Life and Times of Reggie Perrin, The Good Life and Faulty Towers, and I would argue Blackadder. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. Because obviously they're, they're reflecting upon various different classes in Blackadder, but it, it's just completely yeah. there. The third one, it. I think, has got the most class stuff going on. 
But maybe the, the fourth one as well because of you know the heresy system of uh, the army and mm. you know the 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 gentlemen uh, generals who are like sipping wine while people are killing mm. themselves and not killing themselves killing each other. But this is the thing: it's the question of whether you know are we talking about comedies that are for working class people or written by working class people or yeah, about working class people? Strange, so it? It, it's a, it's an area that's explored. Obviously, any situation comedy, you're looking at the situation, and the situation tells you everything about the characters that you're yeah. going to get. So you, you, in British life, because class is so woven into our society, we need to know what class each character is, and that is part of how the character's shaped. Would you say the majority of characters are working class? I wouldn't say the majority, not now. Do you mean, sorry, in those particular shows? No, I mean in sitcom oh. comedies entitled well the whole comedy no. industry is a middle class this is type the, thing this is you know? what's changed over time so if you go back to the late great Galton and Simpson Hancock's Half Hour Steptoe and Son they are working class comedies but of course Hancock is aspiring to be better than he is and so is Harold Steptoe he's aspiring to be better Albert very proud of being working class so that you've you, they're there in those characters their class is just part of the comedy from the off and it's, Galton and Simpson of course are the pioneers of the half hour it's an American versus English type thing as well isn't it class and just aspiring to bettering yourself well in US sitcoms most US sitcoms are what we call aspirational they don't really feature characters who are like facing adversity or financial hardship or anything like that and that kind of gives a bit of a distorted view to the viewer a lot of uk sitcoms are about underdogs you know it's that thing stephen fry says on stage that when you watch animal house and john belushi pulls the guitar off that guy and smashes the guitar a us comedian wants to be john belushi they want to be the wisecracking hero but actually uk comedians would want to be the guy whose guitar is being smashed that we like playing the underdog mm -hmm. and the loser so us sitcoms an american tv writer actually said working class sitcoms are too depressing that's why reality tv in america features the shit job of pawnbrokers, fishermen, mechanics, and that kind of thing, and you don't tend to see them in sitcoms. I know there's exceptions to the rule, like Roseanne and things like that, but most of the time, in an American sitcom, you're watching someone living in a house they, that their job shouldn't be able to afford, owning things that they shouldn't be able to afford, with a wife who's too good looking for them because they're a schlub. And in the in British sitcoms, it's a bit more grounded, it, it's a bit more real. And maybe some of that is because the writers, I don't know, the writers in the UK now, writing sitcoms, are generally middle class, aren't they? TV is a very middle class well, I think medium. a lot of that is just because the way uh, the comedy industry is structured is you kind of have to work for free a lot at the beginning and only people with privileged background can really do that sort of stuff. Like going up to Edinburgh, for, so for example, uh, it's not quite the same thing, mm. but that's how uh, a lot of comedy... You need a out. lot of money yeah. or a, a lot 10 of... 10 grand back, yeah. or so to put up mm -hmm. a show there before you take anything in, money-wise. If you break even in Edinburgh, you've done well, mm. essentially. And, you know, there's a whole month just being up there, all the stuff beforehand and things. Only privileged people can really do this sort of stuff. Only middle class and privileged people can usually do the unpaid internships and work experience stints that a lot of people need to do to get into the BBC or into production companies and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so actually it's very difficult for working class people to get an in in the industry. Which because is, it's interesting because in 2011 when um, BBC One was taken over by Danny Cohen, he, he recognised this and he actively wanted to commission more working class sitcoms, which is why Mrs Brown's Boys exists. Yeah, yeah. which, and what a 
misfire. That's like well, working class blackface, isn't it? It's it. I've not out. watched. I've not. I've not watched Mrs. Brown's Boys. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, this is like I'm not raped um, anyone. I know that's wrong. <laughs> You can't say whether it's terrible or not. Of course, of course you can. <laughs> so the point being that, of course, times have obviously been changing throughout. Obviously, there were lots and lots of working classic comms throughout the sort of seventies and eighties, and then, as you're rightly saying, that it feels like comedy as a genre has moved. But do you think? I just want to pose this to you guys. Do you think that writers of comedy have obviously had upward divergent move in their lives, and therefore they're able to write about their their experiences when they were younger of working class, but then they they obviously become scriptwriters and they have a want to write about their own experience. And do you think that's just changed over time? That now obviously middle class people breed more middle class people, and the, they you know originally the working class writer was very much there. I mean, Only Fools and Horses writer John Sullivan was of course you know he he said it was all about his own family, his own experiences, and he, he wrote it all down. He was obviously born in a working class background, but now I feel like a lot of people who are writing sitcoms, as you rightly say, they're the people who can go into it to write about it. They're obviously much more likely to be middle class because it's so much harder to afford to have that kind of job. I think you're right in the the, the middle class that Gorton and Simpson were and wrote about 50 years ago doesn't really exist now. We don't really live in a sort of cap doffing forelock tugging mm. society so the the working class has changed in that regard and it's a bit more indefinable as that class sketch with ronnie corbett showed you had a very definite idea of it and as the nation has become a bit more prosperous and people have got more money that idea of the poor working class doesn't really exist as much anymore and more people are what we would consider to be working class so i think it's a case of People kind of their class and their quality of living rising a bit. But also, I think because of the makeup of the country, we think less about class now because we focus on other differences. So 70 years ago, for example, the default setting in the UK was like a white male. Like all pre- pretty much all the entertainers on TV were white. And let's face it, women didn't exist. So, <laughs> Where so did the men come from then? They were just hatched by government <laughs> departments. They did uh, exist, but they weren't right. in, pa- any, in any kind of position exactly. of, of power. Yeah. So, so any comedy of difference came from class. Any comedy where someone was punching up or if they, if they were doing bad comedy punching down, it came from class, mocking differences and sort of looking at the aspiration to move up. Then bring it forward a bit. Look at about 50 years ago. Times move on a little bit. Immigrants start coming to the UK. Women start getting a bit of a voice. Now the comedy on stage is talking about them, uh, but it's it's jokes about the black neighbour next door or the wife or the mother-in-law, that kind of thing. Then it moves on a bit more, about 40 years ago. Now it, we're in the world of politically correct, in inverted commas, alternative comedy. Now jokes about differences are a bit more taboo. You, 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 can't, you shouldn't joke about race or gender or sexuality. So the observations of comedy just become about everyday life stuff. It's what, what we now know as observational comedy. There is still stuff that's based on those differences, but people see it as edgy or a bit, or a bit more taboo. And the main distinction at this time is based around politics more than anything else. Yeah, politics and class are very, like, two sides of the same argument. Yeah. So, you know, they're like, I always find it fascinating that they... they do this in in bottom but this in my family as well with working class people that don't really have that much money mm. vote tory and hate the lower class the the benefit sheets and all this sort of stuff when really yeah. like you you know you're you're eating your, yourself or whatever the expression is you yeah. know like the 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 brainwash that no you're you're one of the good ones you lot 
Yeah. No, and then the, the liberal classes are obviously more, you know, they're middle class, lefty leaning yeah. people who I won't even go into the whole. We won't we won't get into the politics of no, it because no, we want to no, keep no. this on. Obviously, talking about comedy, but it's interesting that obviously you're going through 50 years ago, 40 yeah. years ago, because now when you talk about bottom, it's 30 years ago. Yeah, true. And when I think of the 90s, I still don't think 30 years ago. But now, if you are someone now, what the main, what the difference is between... <laughs> if them... you are someone now, what does that mean? <laughs> right. But if you are someone now, what the main differences are that they focus on between them and other people, I think one of the last things they'll say will be class. The th- first things they'll say will be, well, that person's a different race to me. They're a different sex to me. They're a different sexuality to me. They will probably even say they are more wealthy or less wealthy or they have a greater income than me. One of the things they will, will be least likely to mention will be their class is this and my class is this. But they'll be saying it because it's so wrapped up and it's so nuanced that now you can't just say it's your job. It's it's so many other things. It's whether you're into various different culture. It's what you're you know yeah. into doing in your spare time. What you know where you yes. get your money from. Like it, yeah. it's so much more complicated than just what in that way you wouldn't be like oh you're just working class and, Those... and you're upper class in the same simplistic way. Those sitcoms you mentioned all on that list. Class is a factor in all of those. How many of those sitcoms is class a sort of driving thing? There's a sort of uh, the anxiety of the social anxiety of wanting to move up a class or or get more money. You'd see it in Reggie Perrin or in Forty Towers or Only Fools and Horses. Definitely in keeping up appearances. I think is the example of that. Absolutely, yeah. Hyacinth Bouquet wants to appear the next level up, and Mm. her family constantly drag her back down. Yeah. And in, so there are other ones where it sort of factors in. You see things in like um, Dad's Army, you know, there's a bit of tension between them because one of them is a higher class than the other, even though there's a disparity in their ranks and that kind of thing. But yeah, you're, th- there are ones where it's really a driving force in it, isn't it? Red Dwarf is something we're not mentioned much because that, that's a fictitious uh, fantasy thing and the class, it's the class of the future. But... I was, I was going to mention Red Dwarf simply because it's a futuristic sitcom, of course it is, and Rimmer's not even from Earth, he's from Io. But class is there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Rimmer's from one of the moons of Jupiter. He is obviously very, very much middle and wanting yeah. to be... He's lower middle, isn't he? He wants to be higher. And an officer, he's been, he he's says. been brought up yeah. to want to be part of that elite and that you know officer class. And then Lister's more than happy in his lot, isn't he? That definition of a working class slob isn't he yeah yeah and he's where he's working he's got a job he's not you know but mm-hmm. he, he he's just getting by isn't he? he's more than happy with his lot not obviously that he's stuck three million years in space but he he never really wanted to do much better mm. than where he's at so red dwarf occupies a similar situation to porridge for example where you have the lower class stanley fletcher character mm-hmm. in lister trapped in a place with a slightly higher class character, Richard Beckinsale's character. Yeah. And also when Crichton comes into the mix, Lister feels very uncomfortable being waited on hand and foot where Rimmer's like, yes, yes, Suddenly, this is how I right. should be treated. Suddenly, a, 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 essentially a serf, a butler has entered mm-hmm. the situation, validating Rimmer's beliefs in his own importance. But, I mean, what's the first thing that Lister does when they meet Crichton? He tries to get him to actually break his programming and rebel and not serve mm-hmm. people, Very socialist attitude to breaking Crichton free from his, from his role. So does, uh, does that make Cat the anarchist in the group? He's, he's the cat. That's it. Cat, like, cat's so wonderful, isn't it? Because he's just outside the yeah, <laughs> yeah. convention of any, anything. Yeah. Do cats have a class? So, like, ancient Egypt, 
they're, they're very upper class. I'd say their attitudes are, yes, I should be waited on hand and foot. So <laughs> well, maybe we, that's very Yeah, the class. Egyptians worship them, didn't they? And that's the thing. Cat, cat's ego is out off the scale, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's godhood. So it's, it's not class. Yeah. It's just, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Cat is egotistical to the, to the next level beyond Rimmer and anyone. He doesn't have any self-doubt, does he? Have uh, you read but, the books? I have, yeah. yeah Infinity in, Welcomes, Careful Drivers is my fave. The second one, Better Than Life, when they're all in their fantasy dream type situations they're within the same reality game whatever mm. um but they're separate yeah and then when they start meeting up with each other and they see cat and there's like this big like pool of cream and stuff <laughs> yeah. and all these people fighting giant dogs and huge breasted cat ladies having sex with them all the time valkyrie women wasn't yeah. It? yeah and but basically it's the thing of like well why didn't you realize this wasn't real and he's like well that's just how i thought i should have been treated <laughs> 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 you mentioned in 2011 the then BBC controller Danny Cohen saying there were not enough blue-collar comedies. Since then, the BBC have either commissioned or broadcast Fleabag from a privately educated daughter of a baronet, uh-huh. Josh, Upstart Crow, Ghosts, State of the Union, starring Rosamund Pike, and Starstruck, amongst others. So I think they're really doing their best <laughs> to uh, get as many blue-collar comedies in there as possible. In the BBC commissioner's heads, they think... Appealing to a broad base or doing working class basically means not setting things in London and hopefully doing things that are northern. So I know they did um, Famalam, which is the BBC showing it's definitely not racist. Um, Man Like Mobeen, which is dog shit. Peter Kay's <coughs> Car Share, which is obviously working class because the people have northern accents. And that was brilliant. That was good, but it's the BBC going to see. It's not all London. Uh, this Country, which is also regional. Gavin and Stacey, which appeals to cunts. Uh, something, co- something called Brassic, which I've not watched. And also Diane Morgan, who people know as Philomena Kunk. Oh, and from Motherland. Uh, so she does Motherland, which is very uh, middle class, but she's also done a series of shorts uh, playing a character called Mandy. Um, and you know it's working class because just like Little Britain, they made sure that her character posed in front of a block of flats. Well, so. I wanted to mention I... Motherland because, of course, it is very middle class, but she is... She's the working class character in it. Ah, okay. And for me, she's the funniest one because of that, because she gets given the better gags. Is she actually working class, though, or is she middle class? I'm not actually sure about her. But you mean the actress? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming, to be honest, if she's working for the BBC, then she's probably middle class. The majority of actors are kind of middle class, just by definition. I just don't know definition. if you can say that. Majority, are... not all of them. Yeah. Not most been... of them, just the majority. Well, I want to chip in as well, um, just, just on the record. For some reason, I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Gavin and Stacey. But as you said, it appeals to cunts, so yeah, yeah. okay. I've but I don't w- like James Corden at all. I like Gavin and Stacey despite of James you know, I've Corden. I've not watched Gavin and Stacey. It's, it's all right. I've heard that and therefore I've I not watched it. I oh, watch, I'll really... tell a lie, I watched the first one and I've watched it three oh, times. Oh, yeah, it's a really funny idea with James Corden. Like, he's in a car... And he's mm. singing along to the radio. Ah, oh, it's really good. He should do that more often. I think the show is hamstrung by the fact that it's written by and stars James Corden, who is fundamentally unlikable. But the problem there is, of course, it's it's co-written by him, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah. also written by... Ruth Jones. It's also written by Ruth Jones. And I do actually feel like it could be very, very good, but I haven't watched beyond the first episode, mm. just because Gavin and Stacey annoy the hell yeah. out of me. I think all Those of characters. the story and character moments come from Ruth and then 
James, yeah. oh, and what if then we sing to the radio again? Like, all right, yeah, okay. The main reason I want to watch it, though, is for Alison Steadman, because I think she's fantastic. She's great. And any yeah. clip that I've seen of it with her in, I've thought, well, yeah, that looks great. But then I'm like, but what am I going to get out of watching the whole thing? But maybe I should. A couple of other shows that could be classed as, I guess, working class are... Sean Locke's 15 Stories High. Hopefully that'll be getting a re-showing since he's now sadly passed away. Yeah, God rest him. A, an Irish show called The Young Offenders that I've not seen, but it's supposed to be quite good. The Royal Family and Shameless. Now, you could say they're working class, but again, that brings up that question of what is working class and what is... Yeah, it's about working class people, it, but it's... Is, yeah. Is Frank Gallagher working class, though, or, or does he fall into this underclass? Is well, he part of what Alan Partridge would call the underpoor, the badlings, the shitsum and flotsam? <laughs> well, what are now apparently called the precarious proletariat. Right. Um, Al Murray, uh, I think, the pub landlord's character, I think, is mm. a, a lot of people take him at face value mm. and not understanding <laughs> his, uh, his, you know, Stuart Lee uh, says a good thing about it. Yeah, he is a very well-educated, very clever man. If you ever uh, see interviews and stuff where he's not in character... Um, Sing stuff, yeah. Yeah, he's he. Uh, I think he studied history or something. He, he did. When he, his crowd work is phenomenal. Yeah. Like you could, he knows a lot about a lot, and someone will just say something about some place, and then he'll he's got like a type five on literally any subject. But his character is very ignorant and working class. Mm. So sort of a modern Alf Garnet. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, I've got a real soft spot for Al Murray. That, that was always Warren Mitchell's thing that he would say in interviews, wouldn't he? That people would come up and say, oh, I love Alf Garnett. He really, he yeah. really puts it to the colour people and that kind of thing. And he would, and he claims he would reply to them, no, we're mocking people like you. Yeah. I don't think he did. Yeah, he just he would, went, yeah, thanks. He, yeah, he'd just take the path of least <laughs> resistance and go, yes, you can have an autograph. Okay, I'm going to walk away now. Yeah. but So the point is, that it, throughout the British sitcom, you have... You encountered these themes, and just to bring it round to a bit of bottom, tell me whether you think that. Um... Should we talk about bottom? I don't know, should we? Yes. <laughs> So obviously we're talking about British sitcom and, you know, we're, we're talking about class and I think things that come up in every single British sitcom uh, alluding to class are snobbery, aspiration, pretension, delusions of grandeur and the individual struggle against the fact that the, all the world is against them. Do you want to say whether you think Richie or Eddie are working or middle or upper uh, class? Well, yeah. I, I, mean, I think that the words you just used there sum up Richie in a nutshell. Richie and Eddie can be defined very well by the scene in the shop where Richie wants to wear the white coat yeah. and he insists that Eddie wear his brown coat backwards and Eddie doesn't really mind. He is, mm. oh, God, but yeah, he does. He puts up a little bit of hesitation but then is doing it yeah. while he's hesitating immediately. I know that when we first meet them, whether you first see them in contest or whether you first see them in smells, mm. depending on which order you're watching it first, pilot first or, you know, the start of series one first, Eddie and Richie both have a similar kind of look. Eddie has the full suit when he comes home from the Dole office. He's acting like he's been in... Uh, he's know, been at work, yeah, yeah. He's acting like he's been at work all day. He's got his hat. If you saw him on the train, you'd think he was off for, uh, to work as a middle manager somewhere. Richie's got the same kind of respectable thing, tie-pin shirt. But Eddie has that slightly more it's the Ronnie Corbett thing from that sketch of going I know my place I don't really mind mm -hmm. as long as I've got a drink I'm mm -hmm. happy whereas Richie is the one who's the total snob who in the shop mm -hmm. wants to wear the white coat and give Eddie a badge that says assistant because mm -hmm. then there's a definite demarcation between the two of them yes, there's a hierarchy there Yeah, is Eddie working class or is Eddie 
lower middle and Richie's middle middle. So I, no, I, I think I they're think... both the same class, but Richie thinks he is yeah. higher because his family at one point were something. This I think is the it's thing. yeah, it's obviously there's a lot of surrealism in bottom and stuff, and the, the history changes episode to episode, but. Like, there's a Richard family crest. Yep. He's, uh, at the very least, he's a homeowner. So I think with Richie, the key thing to his character is that he was born into either lower middle or middle middle class. And he has gone down in life. He's not gone up. But he's clinging to the history mm-hmm. of his family. So he's, you know, he's talking about great uncle... So and so, who is it? Great uncle, um, great uncle Richard. No, uh, someone is this the Ungugu River one? Yeah, you know, there's basically army generals yeah. and like all this power, and then obviously he's got the chest German in him as well, isn't he? His, his dad was German, that's right, yeah. yeah. And his, his um, great auntie's chess set, the antique chess set, mm-hmm. you know, Wellington played on this before the big fight, and all that. There's, there's a history there to his character that he's fiercely proud of, but he's got absolutely no part in having played. And he's now literally living at the bottom of the heap, you... not even on, he's not even working, is he? He's not even no. working, Class Richie. Do you think he's blind to the fact that he's at the bottom of the heap? Do you think he's yes. oblivious to all the grot and grime 100%. around him? Oh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think for he some has reason... to be to get through yeah. life. But I think deep down he knows, and that's why they're so depressed. Yeah, right. yeah, he must be upset. But he never. Well, you do see him sort of tidying up, doing the housework and stuff. So I guess you, I don't think you'd ever see Eddie doing that on on his own. Richie's depressed because there are things he wants in life that he can't have, and that's a similar thing that you do see with Basil Fawlty mm-hmm. and other characters. And the yeah. housewife. And the housewife. He's the yeah. housewife. He's trapped Eddie's at very home. fulfilled, isn't he? Ex- mm. Eddie's Eddie's like Homer Simpson. As long as he's got a beer and he can put his feet up and watch uh, Miss World, then he's happy. Yeah. It's the contentment of the I know my place. Yeah. So Eddie, I would say, is very much working class. Obviously, as the series goes on, neither of them have got jobs. But in that opening episode, when they were obviously planning what they were, Eddie's been down to the dole office in order to try and get work. Incredibly low class now, it's seen, isn't it? Like the well, he's is kind of a benefit cheat in this, isn't he? Because. Well, no, he's not. He's just skin. You no, know, he's the opposite. Yeah. He's honest about his savings. Yeah. And they tell him, well, get out. That'll last you the next three months, you know. Yeah. And But Richie obviously has money. He's obviously, I think, given some kind of subsidy by his auntie. We obviously never meet Auntie Mabel, but she's money? letting him live in the flat. I don't think, well, I mean, they have all those bills and stuff, don't they? You know, that's quite a, um, a weird class thing, isn't it, where... They can actually be skint and have a hat, a mansion or something, that's, but then all these taxes fuck them. That's exactly the thing. That's typically not a either lower, middle, or upper middle class thing. That's usually an aristocratic thing. You get these landed gentry who own a castle that's worth 40 million. They've got a family crest and history that goes back 300 years, but they don't have a pot to piss in. And they're always going, I couldn't bum a tenner off you, could I? <laughs> and And the house is full of wonderful furniture but it's all threadbare and worn mm. now it's all vintage stuff that lasts all their suit they've got a great suit from Savile it's like with me and with me like they've got a great suit from Savile Row that was made to last but it's the only one they've got mm. and they wear it every day and they wear the fuck out of it mm. that's usually an aristocratic thing but you're right there's a certain quality of that in Richie and that there's the family coat of arms and presumably there's a bit of land somewhere with an auntie but no one's got any cash do you and- reckon he's on a retainer though Richie because where is he getting his little you know yeah. 20p bits from yeah. <laughs> It's rent from Eddie that Eddie doesn't pay the rent. That's though. the thing. So how is it? How is Richie existing? That's the thing yeah. with Bottom. It's not real in the same way that, yeah. say, Keeping Up Appearances or Faulty Towers is 
they're real characters, aren't they? Obviously, they're exaggerated characters, but the absurdity that comes hand in hand with Bottom is that we don't need to care where, where Richie and Eddie do actually scrabble everything from. They're eating green fly. Yeah. They're, e- yeah. <laughs> they're eating yeah. grilled lettuce. This shows the kind of the difference between UK sitcom and American sitcom. In America, the food is in the fridge and the fridge is well stocked. You never have a storyline that I can think of in most typical American sitcoms where a character goes, there's no food, we're really hungry. Oh, unless it's Thanksgiving where someone's Fucked up the turkey. There you go. Yeah, yeah. But there, the problem is, oh no, we haven't cooked it or something like that, or it's gone off. And ultimately, by the end, what do they do? They go next door or the family rallies around or somehow they fix it. No one ever goes hungry. No one ever ever has to go down into an alleyway. But this is what I love about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which has come in and completely flipped that American, you know, traditional sitcom on its head. Because you've got Charlie battling rats in the basement. (laughs) (laughs) There is actually, it's very young ones, I think, some of them. it's always sunny like the, surreal, the anarchy that comes stuff. with it mm. obviously it's much more in a modern setting i think it's 2005 that it's always sunny started but for me there was a real turning point and i think they're about 20 years but i think it's been said before isn't it? americans are kind of about 20 years behind the brits in terms of comedy and i think 2005 was their kind of 1984 <laughs> in terms of the young ones and this is like such a really really like anarchic it was kind of... so niche at the beginning but it's now it's i think yeah. it's the longest running american sitcom it or is. something in seasons it is it's like, going like into 14? season 15 next yeah. i can't wait do you do you have any i know i could google this but do you have any idea how long after steptoe and son started they then copied it in the u.s and did sanford and son I'd have to Google the exact year that they that well, they copied it, but I know the class thing. Septo was in the sixties and the seventies, wasn't it? Yeah. There was like a break in between. And, no, no, I was going to say I think it probably would be about twenty years because Septo started mm. very early, still in black and white, and Sanford and Son I think feels like a seventies sitcom. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was nearly twenty years after. Well, Septo it would started. be definitely twenty after Hancock's Half Hour, and that was the beginning of the idea of a half hour sitcom with story and character at the heart of it. That's mm. what Galton and Simpson did for yeah. British comedy. Yeah. Instead of just sketch comedy on the radio, mm. they were elongating the character and the story and that half an hour yeah. was to try and explore it. So do you think based on the pilot episode of Bottom, Rick and Aid had class very much in their minds when they were writing it? Yes. That mm. pilot episode of Bottom, A, they're trapped in the flat. Brilliant. But they've got no money. Richie's cooking stuff from the from the it's window found box. Found or foraged. Yeah. yeah, and Eddie's come back from the dole office. So he can't get a job. They're you know completely down on their luck, but they're getting through life. The missed world thing on the telly brings in the filth, and they've thought about how these two guys are just you know obsessed with you know getting their end away. They never will, but. Yeah, they're absolutely grounded in their class. Mm. And yet they're both clearly educated because they have books on art and they read them and Eddie mm. has hobbies that one would see as, I don't know if it's a middle-class hobby to do... like well, airfix. Oh, airfix yeah, model models. building. I really yeah. wouldn't say they're both clearly educated. I think they're both fucking pig ignorant. Eddie, uh, yeah, but remember we've talked about the Homer Simpsonization of Eddie before. In, so in the in this one, yeah. Eddie is as smart as Richie, I think. They're both each other's intellectual equal. Brings Ed, the paper home. Yeah, he's reading the paper. And yeah. he, he clearly gets dumber as time goes on where they go, right, well, making him stupider and drunker makes him funnier. But in this first one, they're, they're not massively educated, but they're both reasonably educated. Well, I think, obviously, the art book, the history of art book, is I think that's a hangover from Richie's auntie, though, don't you? Don't you think mm-hmm. those books and everything, they're just already there in the flat? Yeah, they're to be seen rather to... Well, uh, when he reads them, he's Rich, wanking over Richie's it. Richie's been wanking over it probably since he was a kid, yeah. you know, when he went round to see Auntie Mabel. We don't know what Richie's background is, but his mother abandoned him, and presumably his auntie was like, oh, just shove him in that flat and you know, get on with it, and we don't have to talk to him because he's exhausting. Mm. Do you 
think he's actually certifiably mad, Richie, so he would never <laughs> actually get a job? That's, <laughs> That's the thing. Richie could never be in a job interview, could he? I don't think... And get it. Uh, no, you're right. No, he, what would no. you... Yeah, think about... He'd... Really, let's give him a job, an actual job now. Let's think, okay, what well, can he do? Well, let's look in the show. He gets a job briefly as a shopkeeper. And Terrible man- at it. To talk about class, he manages to alienate the working class customers by insulting them. He tries to suck up to the upper class customers and then ends up alienating them because they don't see him as an equal. The doctor, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's judgmental of everyone. He's got an inferiority and a superiority complex, mm-hmm. hasn't he, Richie? His ego is off the scale when he has no right to be. But the moment he gets that white coat on, he's got some power. Mm. So this no job that he could probably be completely happy at because if it was a subservient job he would feel that I'm too good for this I shouldn't be digging a ditch I should be supervising but if he was in a supervisory job it'd be a nightmare I, yeah he, no he, one he, would he, like he, him he'd be abusing the workforce and trying to suck up to the upper management that's right so but there's there's got to be something he could so it's got to be a solitary job Landlord is basically what he. Kind it's what of he's is. doing. He's oh. trying to get rent off Eddie. Do you think the whole? I mean, we've talked before, haven't we, about how Richie and Eddie might have met? Because we don't know. But you know, do you think Eddie just needed a room and he's a lodger? I get the feeling they went to school together, but that's never said. No, I, th- I, th- I don't think they're from the same background. That's the thing. Yeah. Unless they would just kind of happen to be lumped together, and they were the two idiots in the class. I know I said this when we talked about the episode at the time, but I think. The reason they're living together is they probably did go to school together, didn't see each other for years, bumped into each other in London. Eddie was drunk, needed somewhere to stay. And Richie said, oh, hey, I've got somewhere. I've got a room in my place. Why don't you come and stay there? Because he desperately wanted a friend. Mm. And Eddie thought, right, good. I've got a free place to stay now. But he didn't realise the price he would have to pay, which is spending time with Richie. (laughs) Mm. Absolutely. And that's where Peep shows a bit of an update, isn't it? Because, of course, you've got Jeremy never paying Mark any any rent. Or It's it's a bone of contention, isn't it, throughout the series? It's a very common thing, isn't it? Very um, men behaving badly as well. Gary and... Tony, yeah, Tony never mm-hmm. never pays the rent. Uh, sociology is the talk of is the study of society mm-hmm. and a class uh, comes up within sociology, doesn't it? Now I can't hear the word sociology without thinking of Rick from the Young Ones, a sociology student. I think that's where I. That's right. I also think of Eric Idle's sketch in Python. Oh where yeah, he's playing a sociologist and he's walking along the road talking to camera, and then I can't remember actually what happens at the end of the sketch, but yeah, he's. I think, oh, fall, I think he falls through a drain, doesn't he? On the subject of Python and class, or so that Yorkshireman yeah. thing where I had to eat gravel, Luxury. hot gravel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the four Yorkshiremen sketch, what an amazing sketch that is to sum up class divide and how yeah. attitudes have changed as well. Yeah, um, that's the thing. There was a pride and dignity in being working class that oh. is kind of, is that just programmed into people? Like from on high like the well, bible has it doesn't it I like oh the poor there. are privileged and yeah well you should do but written by the rich to make people not aspire and get their stuff it's funny isn't it because that four yorkshireman sketch has now i think come to sum up not so much a class thing but a generational thing i quote that to my dad because he's always saying how much easier this generation has it and i would think that that's that sketch is now representational of the older generation but that's the exact thing because of course working class people can be you know very much in their class and then they have children and then they move up a class through work and through the fact that we've got a lot more social mobility now and therefore you you know generational and class differences now exist don't they you know my parents were definitely born of working class parents but now because they became a journalist and a teacher I was born 
and I was therefore middle class by default. That's how I always used to understand it, that it was about your job. Mm. But now I think things have changed so much more that it isn't just about the job that your parents had, but that used to be how you were mm-hmm. defined, wasn't it? Mm. But yeah, there's definite, I mean, it happens with every generation, I think, doesn't it? Like, oh, you never know how it, how hard it was for me. I was watching a Steptoe Son last night, actually, and, and it, it's got the classic kind of, it's just like a little sketch. Harold is rolling his eyes as Albert's going on about how we all used to share a bed. There was me, me sisters, me, me brothers and me mum and dad all in one bed. Harold's like rolling his eyes because he's heard it a thousand times before kind of thing. But that, you know, it, it's the same with Granddad or... Yeah. Charlie and um, Chocolate Factory Uncle that makes Albert me think of. In, yeah, in Only Fours, it's that, you know, during the war and yeah. all that. And I just think that... Think, do you think that maybe just comedy now doesn't have that in it because people are kind of like, oh, that's been done? Or do you think we just don't really have that kind of generational living together thing that we used to have? I think it's partly the, the generational thing. I think I still think it's, like, like I said earlier, that we, we focus more on the differences that we see, such as colour and sex and things but we don't really talk about them as much you know it's such a small country as well that i think we interact with each other a lot more than than say uh france which Mm. uh they must have class and stuff going on there but yeah i I don't really know what this point is or i've started Um, talking so i'll carry on what um, what are your sources for this for this information well the uh the 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 Geography teacher <laughs> from uh, right. No, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a very definite statement. We interact more than more than the French do because we're smaller, a smaller country, aren't we? They don't call it Great France, do they? <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's another example of Richie's grandiose idea of like I'm British, Britain is great. Yeah, yeah. And resting on the morals of I'm others. great by default. Yeah, yeah. That's, I hate that. That's attitude how so much. So many British mm. people feel, isn't it? And obviously, Rick and Aide, I would hope, wrote that into Richie in order to lampoon that attitude. Like we said before, Richie and Eddie aren't meant to be idolised as characters. They're deeply, deeply flawed. Mm. But it's always what keeps them going through life, isn't it? It's like, I'm British, I'm great, so I'm going to get through life and I'm going to say, Morning, Vicar, lovely day, and I don't have to go to church. <laughs> and, charming. Yeah. What does <laughs> <laughs> the Vicar do there? Now it's time for a quick word from our sponsors. writing the talking bottom book you can go to unbound.com forward slash bottom and pledge to buy a copy or any other special rewards that will go alongside it you'll also get your name in the back of it that's exciting we may never meet you or maybe we will if you come along to the talking bottom pub crawl on launch day give us all your money (laughs) your old bag so in the pilot episode class is very important in the first series in general where else in the episodes is class a driving factor or an important theme in the episode, do you think? I'm thinking in what people may see as the first episode, Smells, the first time they might meet Richie and Eddie. I don't know if lack of sex and loneliness is a class thing. Uh, that can apply to sort of any... Yeah, um, I don't think it's particularly class. But you do see things that come out of their poverty, such as haggling over drinks prices with the mm. women. You know, that's ATP if I winked out at me. Uh-huh. Eating lard. I know the original, the very original script, the first draft that we've talked about before, the scene in the taxi with them coming home... Firstly, has Richie trying to haggle with the taxi driver over, mm. over a £3.20 fare. And then when he can't haggle it, he then tries to get half of it off Eddie. So, that, so money's definitely an issue there. And doesn't he lord it over the taxi driver? 
he's in the original script he's a little bit racist to the taxi mm. driver mm. yeah which is that you know sort of british exceptionalism british thing. racism yeah. best <laughs> in the world their slight poverty means they don't have things like tweezers so they need to use pliers and they don't really have much in the way of personal grooming products, so they've got a draw on chest hair. It's yeah. a very working-class boozer they go to. Yeah, I think it may be weird sort of grasping the straws trying to find class in the first episodes. There's, there's, it's there throughout, though. It's it's that thing of it's written into the fabric of but the world like, around It's them. just all working-class. I mean, you know, it's, they're, they're, no, it's all... If, but, you know, you meet... So, so move, are we moving on from oh, smells? Oh, yeah. Or I mean, are we going to go I was through... going to say, do you want to just do series one as a general yeah, thing? Yeah, just think of... When you meet Spudgun and Hedgehog, immediately you can tell that they're... (laughs) I don't know whether we would even call them underclass, would we? Have they got jobs? They definitely don't have jobs. They don't. They don't, do they? They just sit around, they're alcoholics, they're they're visibly dirty and greasy, aren't they? And uh, yeah, Eddie's, this is the first time you're seeing Eddie's... Uh, extended family or whatever, you know, for like you've only seen him wearing a suit yeah. and being around Richie. If, who's, if you judge people yeah. on their friends. Yeah, then... and these are, oh, these are my two friends that you said I could bring. And like, they're your two that you've brought, these two you chose, and they both look, they've, yeah, you're right. They've taken a break from hanging out down the local dole office all day, <laughs> getting as many benefits like, as, as you possible. You can almost smell the BO on them, can't yeah. you? The way in which that greasy hair, especially on Spud Gun, you, you know that those two generally, if they're not down the pub trying to con drinks off people, they are probably sat in a grim council flat watching a small TV, chain smoking and drinking mm. tenant special brew. Which is basically what they end up doing around uh, Richie and Eddie's. Uh, and they're watching Emmerdale Farm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Like, no, soap operas are a very working class thing, aren't they? Mm. Like, they're... Are there any middle class? I don't are the middle class people probably don't really watch that kind of th- stuff, right? I think the BBC tried a middle class soap once. It was called El Dorado. Do you remember wow. that? Oh yeah, I never my goodness! Uh, that yeah, I remember it. <laughs> but there were scenes that were oh. all in Spanish, weren't there? Oh, was there? I don't yes, remember that. Hundred percent. They also tried what I think. This was a middle class soap. They tried one called Families, and it was some. It was the first thing that Jude Law was in, uh-huh. and that. Didn't take off and Family well, Affair. What was that on Channel? I never watched Family that, Affairs. but I just know it from um, Happy Families when Ross Kemp says he's gonna There are other instances in the first series where their class plays a driving factor in the plot. In the if we look at gas. Their poverty mm. drives the fact that they are stealing their neighbours' utilities. It could almost be said that they are so poor that if they didn't nick next door's gas, they wouldn't be able to afford their own, so they might freeze to death. Yeah, mm. I mean, they've got it all on in order to heat the flat, haven't they? Mm. And the great thing is that they go but to it's the lovely extreme and, warm and they've, got it, yeah. they've got it, they're <laughs> nicking it and they're getting their money as well. Even in the card game at the beginning, everything they're betting mm. is all really small stuff. You know, yeah. three yeah, pence. Showcasing. real money. Yeah, tri- that sums up how poor they are. That yeah. Oh, hang on, we've got money on the yeah. board now. A trip where? To the laundrette. Why? Because they don't have a washing machine mm-hmm. at home. That's quite common in back in that those days, wasn't it, that... For some reason, and that that's a very th- speak for yourself. That's a very uh, big thing in EastEnders, isn't it? There, there was a laundrette that everyone used way mm. into the. I think there actually was a plot point once in EastEnders of someone buying a bunch of washing machines to try and sell them or something, and like sort of wink <laughs> really? to the camera. Out of business, kind of thing. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The, everything they're betting is is either things that are free in terms of, you know, just like you're going to clean around the back of the lavatory bowl mm. or very, very small. And obviously it's it's for the comedy aspect of it. I know we always go on about what's logical and what's reasonable, but like, you know, 3P is just such a funny number, isn't mm. it? <laughs> So what, yeah, it um, seems you know, more ha- hazardous I don't have, My favourite's always been I'm not going to answer the door for the next eight years. You know? <laughs> That's a weird number as well. <laughs> not even a round number, is it? I think the biggest example of class we have in Series 1, we've already touched on it, is the shopkeeper mm. stuff, all the white coat, mm. brown. Well, and when's Richie reading War and Peace? Well, it's in Doe when he's read it. Sorry, it's in a it's in apocalypse. first one where he sits down. Oh, yeah, like, Apocalypse, where he's... Chapter one, sentence three. It's yeah. apocalypse when Eddie's yeah. gone out, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the aspiration of wanting to read a novel like War and Peace definitely reflects on Richie wanting to be better sure. than he is. And he's got yeah. a rich auntie who's got a butler and stuff like that. So mm. there's class yeah. there. So Digger is um, Helen Leder. Obviously, she's part of the aristocracy. And you've got uh, Richie trying to pretend that he is the Duke of Kidderminster and he's extremely rich in order to get a woman. Uh-huh. But it, it's him pretending that he's better than he is. And he's got that amazing, that velvet <laughs> that coat on. And then, you know, Eddie's playing the butler. and Charming flat. Pretending to know what caviar is, except he doesn't know what it is at all. And is absolutely disgusted by it. And there's mention of the, how the aristocracy is depraved and how he's probably, probably got mm-hmm. aristocratic blood. And also, of course, he beats his butler. Much to, say... much to her approval. <laughs> doesn't he say something like, oh, actually, I've got quite a lot of knob, knob in, me. in me like nobility yeah. so mm. that is the thing because they all give blood yeah. is the reason <laughs> so, so therefore I must so therefore he is admitting that his family aren't nobility yeah. So, Slips up there. Yeah, because well, he, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and I just, I, you know, through to the polo lounge. Yeah. Polo. There are so many jokes based on class. That's the idea the that yeah. he. This is a, like a child's idea of high class. Oh, we'll get some nice silverware and uh, caviar. That's fancy, isn't it? <laughs> and mashed potatoes with it. As well as them, of course, doing a good representation of their attitudes to class in the shop. That episode actually begins with Richie in his head thinking he's living in like a bucolic country village Eddie wants to wallow in the dark in a dank living room watching filth Richie's going around extolling the virtues of a wonderful English country weekend even though he's in a shitty flat in Hammersmith he seems to think that they're going to go outside and play cricket well, he and, yeah they want to watch the cricket doing. don't they that, that's yeah. quite a upper class sport as well yeah. isn't it? cricket you would be forgiven for thinking that if when Richie opened the window, there would be a, a, a village green outside that he's looking mm. at. But actually, it's a shitty Hammersmith where people eat dogs. But the very <laughs> reason, the very reason they go up on the roof is to watch the cricket. But obviously, for free through a telescope. <laughs> After happily taking on one day's work that's cash in hand, as yeah. long as it's very, very easy. Yeah. You can gain something from the area that they live in uh, based on the fact that the actual that the shop gets entirely looted. Well, that's just the bottom unit. Universe, isn't it? No yeah. matter where they lived, that that would have happened. But it's the extremes of poverty, isn't it? The idea that the moment a shop in any area <laughs> like is, is left unattended, then mm. basically a riot kicks off. <laughs> Just like there was fifty people round the corner waiting <laughs> on the opportunity. Well, yeah, words got round, yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna do it over. The landlord as well coming in and everything, you know, straight away it's like, oh, you know, I haven't got the rent, but yeah. you know, get rid of him. Excuse, excuse, excuse. Yeah, you know? I mean, th- lots of people growing up would remember hiding from you know their parents making them hide behind the sofa when the rent person calls around and knocks at the front door pretend we're not in we need another two days before we get the money i didn't have that with the rent but i had it with the milkman just because 
Yeah, the money on it. You know, it wasn't we didn't have the money, but it was they didn't have it. You know, because you had to go the cash point. You know, like having cash in the day was much more of a. You know, you couldn't pay them on card, so there was often a kind of hide. And it was a time when a lot of people would rent things such as televisions. Mm. So of course, in culture, they have the TV taken away because they can't afford it. Yeah. And in culture, uh, we've got the wonderful smoking jacket scene with him smoking cigarette for a bit of biro stuff for for his own amusement completely. I mean, Eddie's not fooled by any of this, is he? But it's like the idea of, oh, we're having a very fancy, sophisticated evening. Oh, absolutely. Evening. Trying to aspire to be just yeah. like Noel Wilde today and the smoking jacket. And yeah. everything, you know. Eddie's luxury would just be sat in a string vest on a beach or something with a pint or something, right? You know, <laughs> but Richie's is, oh, yeah, no, let's be all fancy. Let's have cocktails mm. and... Oh, 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 oh. He's but interested it... in the social currency, mm-hmm. isn't he? Which is, again, it's all relating back to class. Like mm. that, that social aspect of like how I'm perceived by others and what my yeah. interests are. Like Richie's always trying to aspire to better than he is. It makes me think of his imaginary conversation in Finger. When it's, oh, you must come around and shoot my grouse. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we're skipping all around series one, two and three. Fuck it, who cares? I think it's okay to skip around them. I found when I was ma- I was trying to make notes on each episode to see if there was class considerations or themes in each one. And some of them, it's a bit more apparent, such as in the first one when we meet them and such as in the episode when they're running the shop. In other ones, it's not really there. It's, there are some episodes where you could go, this same situation could happen, whether they were middle class, upper class. Mm-hmm. Sometimes their poverty is a bit of a driving factor. They need money. Mm-hmm. So things like when they do the parade, they're doing that because they want the eight quid. When yeah. they go to the pub, they're going down there to try and con the pub out of free stuff. And then mm-hmm. when they steal the leg, it's because they want money. Now, none of that is really to do with being working class or anything like that. It's just through being criminal, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. being on down on your luck to the point of yeah. you're going to have to thieve, beg, borrow or steal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, if, but if you look at episodes, for instance, like Hole, where it's the two-hander and they're in the Ferris wheel the whole time, they're there through the character's own actions and they're, and they're on this ride because they're spending the only but three quid they want to spend. That's a big night out for them, isn't it? Because they've spent the money. Like yeah. that, that going to the fun fair isn't something that they could afford to do yeah. every day. And that's like their one last ride of the night. Yeah, and, yeah. And that's the know. only one. Yet they've, they've been on the ghost train. But but mm-hmm. but what I mean is that ultimately the the actual episode itself doesn't really revolve around any class consideration in that uh, regard. No, right? yeah. other than yeah. just them being in that situation. Yeah, yeah. Going back to Apocalypse, um, there's all of the gypsy stuff there, you know, the um, carnival workers and the yeah. fortune teller. Well, the stuff, fact and that it opens with him inheriting yes, 600 he, quid from his auntie and her Which will, is a fortune to him. Absolutely. You know, that, he, that he desperately needs. It gives you an idea of the fact that Richie's not from any kind of upper middle, is he? He's just from middle. Yeah. You know, the idea that in her will, like, we don't know whether that's her entire fortune that's been left to Richie. Oh, I don't think it I is. I don't think no. it is. I think that's a very meagre amount. But, mm. you know, they're, they're not so rich that he's now able to, mm. you know, live off the fat of the land. But he thinks yeah. he can. It's, again, in Peep Show when Jeremy gets, what is it, 20 grand or something? <laughs> he's like, I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Apocalypse does have a similar reaction from Richie to people who he sees as below him and above him in that the gypsies he really looks down mm-hmm. on and is shitty towards but when he meets Sir Roger Cobham OBE he instantly defers to everything the man says he thinks he's dying until the guy just looks in his eyes and says you're fine get out yes absolutely oh, okay. we got- oh, you're a- oh you've got a posh voice and you're a sir okay I'll leave mm-hmm. 
Let me and then murder someone. Yeah. <laughs> but even in that one, later on, he's bribing Eddie with five p, a, a fantastically small amount of money. But that's enough to get Eddie to actually get off his ass and go upstairs and do something. <laughs> Owning a piano—that's quite <laughs> high class. Well, that's that's presumably been left there, hasn't it? Like, you don't think that's Eddie's piano, do you? That's just in the room that he's obviously been shoved in by yeah, Richie, you know? I guess so. <laughs> or maybe, like, again, like, you know, going back to the Steptoe and something, not to keep harping on about it, but if you look at the set and everything around Steptoe and Son, what they've picked up over the years from the rag and bone trade is their currency. Mm. So who knows, like, whether that's something that Eddie's picked up from someone down the market or whatever, and he's like, oh, I can get a you know, contest, isn't it, when Richie's dead? Yeah. Um, he's like, oh, that, you know, should be worth a few quid about the organ. <laughs> you know, it's that idea of like, I'll be able to sell that, I'll be able to get some money for it. You know, that anything that they get their hands on is like, well, what can I get out of this? Yeah. So where else do we see them looking at class? I think in the episode Finger, Richie's attitude towards everyone in the hotel. Again, it's like anyone who he thinks is subservient, mm-hmm. he lords it over. He even calls himself the master and her and her the servant girl. But yeah. then he's, he's sort of a bit more deferential to people, uh, to the maitre d'. And in the bar, when he's he thinks he's talking to people, he adopts that sort of slightly upper class persona, doesn't he's he? He's trying to be really posh in front of the waiter, isn't he? Mm. Um, you know, being able to read the menu and all of those kind of things. Like, mm. he's trying to impress someone who... Because it's a weird thing, isn't it? That waiter um, you know, knowing more than you do about, like, the cuisine, mm-hmm. especially yeah. French. Yeah. You know, yeah. that that kind of upper class like idea of, like, you know, if you don't know how to read a menu in French, <laughs> then, you, you know, it's terrible social embarrassment, isn't it? That, that is the episode where Richie does say, I invented cricket racially. <laughs> which is a proper British a, snobbish yeah. thing well we haven't mentioned it yet but so in whole when Richie says my mother used to make sandwiches for the Hammersmith Conservative Association that is again alluding to <laughs> what a brag the idea that he's he's got some kind of like in with the Conservative Party just because his mum made sandwiches for them she wasn't even <laughs> like, anything they wouldn't, other than a member the, the Conservatives wouldn't even know like what oh, yeah there were sandwiches on the table I guess would you meet someone made them okay and you're the son of that woman what, what? but that you know, if you if you put that into say Hyacinth Bouquet's mouth or anything, that is a role of importance, isn't it? You know, there's the Hammersmith Conservative Association, a meeting every week, and my role is to make the sandwiches, and it's very important, and I I'm important <laughs> to these people, and it's just such a ridiculous thing, isn't it, to find a bit of power or you know gravitas well, in. See Mrs. Bouquet being related to Richie in this sort of weird way. You know, she her being bitterly disappointed in him, and him looking up to it. Oh yes, this is what an upper class person should be like i understand now this is what i should be potentially like they're from people. a different time i think aren't they in terms of his aunties would be older than hyacinth would have been but what, what if richie is sheridan but just under a different name oh, we, ne- wow. we never see sheridan do we we never meet sheridan it could be him that she's calling all the time and sending money to and he's cutting money out of her. <laughs> he'd always be turning up wouldn't he if he knew where his mother was that's why she had to abandon richie isn't it because he, <laughs> he obviously know whatever age he was. Because he, he remembers her, so he was old enough to well, as talk. As soon as he got he? a personality, he's like, nah, I don't, I don't want this one. I'll just get, Eddie, start again. Eddie would get on with Onslow, wouldn't he? They, yeah. They'd be like peas in a pod. Yeah. I, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, and with the subject of class and thing, would Vivian and Eddie get on? I think they would. 
Definitely. I don't think Vivian ever becomes a medical doctor. <laughs> I doubt. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. He does. He dies. But Vivian and Eddie would get on. Yes, I and think... Rick and Richie would hate each other. Yeah, I think Richie wouldn't mind Rick, but Rick would absolutely despise Richie. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like, like, oh, bloody, yeah, you're a Tory as well. I hate that. It's a really <laughs> yeah. interesting idea about getting, like, their own characters in a room together and how they would interact, isn't it? Like, because they, I think Richie and Rick would talk at each other. Mm. rather than to each other wouldn't they and mm-hmm. they'd be trying to outdo each other in <laughs> in any way possible and it would probably lead to a fight wouldn't it let's face it between all yeah, of them because rick isn't violent <laughs> is he he's complete he's like much more cowardly than richie mm. richie's still a coward but he will throw the first punch mm. rick wouldn't correct yeah yeah it's always like a scrap between him and vivian that's much more sort of teenage isn't it mm. than anything more, like more adult and serious so if bottom was made now let's say rick and aid were the ages they were then but now and they were trying to make it now do you think they would be the same sort of class would it be more would they be more aspirational would it be more like peep show what do you well, think this is where when people say you know could you make bottom now I'm not sure you could make the exact same show mm. now in terms of you sat down to try and write it because every sitcom, when you do watch them, they're like a little microcosm of the time, aren't they? Like the 50s, yeah. no, you can't help the but 60s, do that. the 70s. There's such an influence from the outside world that they're set in. If you tried to make it now, would you end up making Mrs. Brown's Boys? Absolutely fucking not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just because the but, raw talent involved with the creators. So I'm not saying you can't sit down and write characters like Richie and Eddie. I think... I would love to be able to sit down and write such in- interesting, absurd characters like Richie and Eddie, but obviously update them for the modern world. Because you said, you mentioned Peep Show, Mark and Jeremy are still very real characters. Mm. There's been this shift, hasn't there? Away from the outlandish, away from the cartoon. They do exaggerated, ridiculous things, but you still believe they are in the real world. Mm. With Richie and Eddie, they're never seen outside of a studio setting, are they? They're never filmed in the real world because they're not believable mm. in the real world. I don't think you could have them interacting with normal people on the street. Mm. It's got to be extras. It's got to be built sets, usually because they destroyed them. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it's such a cartoon world. Like, whereas I think now you'd have to you'd have to redo that. I think you'd have to do it like a 90s sitcom if you were going to recreate that feeling. So it's would, all sets all the time, you mean? Yeah. In that case, would it end up being when the whistle blows? That's... Rather- Rather that, than Mrs. Brown's voice. That's how it might look, mightn't it? Yeah. Because I haven't watched Mrs. Brown's voice. I also haven't really ever watched My Family. I even I did watch Goodnight Sweetheart. And you look at those sort of 8.30pm BBC shows that weren't on BBC 2, they were on BBC 1. And they've all got a, such a look to them, haven't they? Whereas now, yeah. like on BBC Two, I can't even tell you what I would look at and be like, that's a BBC Two sitcom. Whereas when you look at Red Dwarf or bottom well you you just know that that's where that belongs has changed so much in looks uh the latest series isn't it yeah yeah even before that with the um the back to earth one that was shot on decent cameras and stuff it felt so at odds didn't it to see them in the real world uh, the coronation street set just still sends chills through me so it seems like the main difference we're talking about there is single camera versus multi-camera the things where the sitcoms that you watch where often where they don't have a laugh track and it's and it's shot like a drama or like a film on one camera versus things that are in a studio where you've got five cameras set up and no matter where the character is, one of the cameras is picking them up and the entire episode is edited 
as it's shot very much like someone who's doing the vision mixing. And the BBC still makes things like that, as you said, such as Mrs. Brown's Boys and Miranda and Not Going Out. But they do feel of a much older style, especially since shows like, I think Larry Sanders was the first one to start it, and then, you know, The Office and Extras, and now nearly every sitcom is all single camera. The and... energy you feel in it is so different, isn't it? I mean, watching yeah. Fleabag just feels like a visceral, a different visceral experience because of the way in which the camera is interacting. I know she's breaking the fourth wall a lot as well, which helps with that. Well, she she invented that, apparently. No one had done that before oh, Fleabag. fucking hell, that annoys it's me. It's not that people think that she invented it, I don't think, but she <laughs> used it in such a way that really felt modern i think because it was of course from a stage show so it's it's not a new thing to be breaking the fourth wall but mm. the way in which phoebe waller bridge looks straight down the camera into your soul when she what? does those little to the camera shots like they they i don't know whether it's because it's a woman in a powerful role and it's fucking hilarious but I, the I love i love Isn't free it? bag yeah and i genuinely will not hear a bad word said about any of series one i can understand why some people go on about oh the priest was a little bit of a bleh, I thing i prefer series two really yeah uh, see i prefer series one i think but i i mean i still love series two but I, just that connection I through love, the camera i love fleabag's representation of working class people um in television <laughs> i think it really gave them a voice and the way that people with double-barreled names whose family are landed gentry and get uh, and get elevated into uh, TV. It's just you know, it's just it's just just, just astonishing. Well, I'm not talking about class in this. In the I'm talking about the quality of the comedy. I know, I know. And yeah, sure, there should definitely be a working class flea bag. Like there should be an equivalent to it. Like there should be room for everyone. I believe. I don't think we should be like, oh, you can't watch that because it's too posh or whatever. Mm. Like I think if it's funny, it's funny. I think going back to sort of Sunny, we mentioned that on the podcast a lot, but I do think that's kind of the modern button in feel, at least. Certainly. I don't know. Certainly for America, yeah. yeah. The grime that comes across. I do think you could write a really grimy, gritty sitcom. Like, like you know, the Royal Family had that grime in it, but like that's like 30 years ago. Like, mm. Where are the new comedies that don't look shiny and new? Could because... you have something like Bottom, but shot with a... a single camera style like spaced you know that doesn't almost feel like a sitcom because it's it feels more like a film it, it's it was like the right kind it? of well, yeah. training that, that then comes to the thing that we talked about recently which is where does comedy violence stop looking comedic and start looking horrific and i mm. think if you're shooting at single camera then you're veering into too much realism and that's when it loses the humor in it possibly i don't know though because i mean I don't know if you have watched Fleabag, but it opens with their bloody nose, doesn't it? And shows that, and it does feel very real. So it's a very different reaction that you get from it, but you can still, I think, I'd like to think that you could still achieve it if you did it in the right way. Have you seen I May Destroy You? I haven't yet, no. Paul? No, because I don't like women. Okay, well, um, it's... <laughs> no, no, I'm, I, I yeah. will watch it, but no, I'm not It's yet. phenomenal. Um, I don't know if it's funny. It's not really meant to be funny, funny. It's, it's certainly, you know, there are funny bits in it, but there's a really graphic moment of when the character's comes on a period while she's spending the night with someone and then like they're both like kind of inspect it on the bed and it's like, oh, it's all like clotted to get, oh, it's like jam or something, like poking it on the bed. And I'm just watching it and it's like, why is this on TV? This this little bit didn't have to happen. Oh, that's, so weird, well, but it's... It's weird that you mention that bit because I've not seen the show, but I've read a lot about it and I'm pretty sure that scene you're talking about there is the scene that has most women who watch it going, brilliant, so brave, <laughs> wonderful, BAFTAs, mm, yeah. 
Well, I haven't watched it and I am a woman who does menstruate and I'm all for women talking about their periods, but that sounds pretty gross. It was, yeah. It is it was, played for laughs? No, or is it it's played, played for, for weirdness, I think. Okay. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's not meant to be all right on, sister. It's, it's Yeah, I think it is meant to be a bit gross. grow up about it and it's fine. We can, we can I don't know, but they... It doesn't have to be a blue bit of liquid poured onto yeah, a thing, sure, you know, but to it's, spare people's blushing. But it's like a blood clot or something is the well, way yeah, they treat it. yeah, that's what comes out. Like, yeah, but know. they're like, like <laughs> jabbing it. Like that poking it bit, on the bed, like yeah, oh, yeah. I don't even want to have this on our podcast. But <laughs> they smearing it on their toes. <laughs> so that is again, I think, where you, you look at how maybe topics and things like that have now become like I'm going to put that in because it's really edgy, and it's really good for me to feel empowered enough to write a scene about me having a period. Like there was a bit in Starstruck. If you watch Starstruck, no, and it's not showing it, but it's that she's come on her period straight after sex you know so they're mentioning periods all that kind of thing there's lots of lots of you know good comedy that can come out of it but that does sound a bit too much in the 90s we weren't even allowed to see richie's face when he ejaculates to have gone from that to now in the 2020s we're in now to see period blood on a bed during a comedy show like things have changed haven't they definitely and if things weren't changing then that's not how life is you know mm, life we have goes to forward. evolve and this is the point like class has actually evolved mm. what we look at how we view ourselves where we can all aspire to be that's the thing you know we're all born equal we should be able to get as high as we want or stay working class if we're happy to that is what i hope will still be a running theme in sitcom do you think it's a little bit of a shorthand with just having class as uh, you know the same way that they have stereotypes in comedy of you know uh, the irish are stupid oh absolutely because you have to recognize a situation and you know we talked before the family is there in sitcom isn't it so part of the situation is well where are they in life what do they do where do they work where do they live who are they living with you know it's all just part of creating the world isn't it yeah it's a shorthand but also it's an important theme and a motivation even if it's an unconscious motivation for a lot of characters as we've seen through a lot of british sitcoms as from the ones we talked about and especially in bottom it's something that even if it's not there overtly it does kind of run through it like you know a, the word brian through a stick of rock it is it's there you can't get away from it and i think the main thing that I'd like to say as well about class and how it should still be an issue in sitcom is I think Paul Jackson made the point when we interviewed him. Why aren't people lampooning the people at the top? That's what comedy's for. That is what we should be doing. We need to be satirizing. We need to be using comedy in order to laugh but make very serious points yeah. about the state of Britain today. Well, now, really, the only comedy I can think of where you see the, shall we say, upper classes being mocked are the shows where it's literally the royal family and it's almost like a caricature of the royal family. So whether it's that one with well, Harry... The Windsors. In, the Windsors, and the Harry Enfield one. Mm -hmm. And there's another one. I think So I think, like, two channels have got their own different comedies about the royal family. Those are the only what, things... the crown on Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, there's another one where um, Elizabeth Hurley was in it. Elizabeth Hurley and Vince Regan were the two heads of the royal family. And in both these instances, it's just the royal family. But there's nothing, you're right, lampooning, be it um, government or the upper classes or anything like that. Anna. I mean, there, there is in terms of, you know, Spit and Image came back and there are plenty of panel shows that will look at it. But sitcom, where is the next one? Is it just that it's so hard to do to keep up with the times and keep, keep going? Like, has Brexit killed 
what we're wanting to do. I mean, I haven't even seen all of the in the thick of it, but where are those shows? Like that, I think, is what we need to be seeing more of. Is it something to do with the fact that that you can't get them out quick enough now and that the news cycle is so updated or changeable? You know, like uh, South Park has a turnaround of like a week for an episode and that lets them be very, very current with some of their things. One of the things is that it ages it very quickly, doesn't it? I mean, have you ever rewatched any Drop the Dead Donkey? A couple of times, and and yes. Sometimes it feels impenetrable, doesn't it? Even though you kind of get exactly what they're doing, you can't really laugh because you're not in on the joke in the same way. Do you notice that when Channel 4 repeat Drop the Dead Donkey now, they tell you at the beginning of the episode, in this week, this was in the news, this was in the news, and this was in the news. No, I've not seen them repeat (laughs) it. And drop the de- they do that for um, Have I Got News For You as well or it was oh, aired on this time right okay or this date it makes sense to try and provide some kind of context for what you're about to say it's like the you... previously on sort of uh, just, oh, oh this is going to come up then okay this week David Mellor was in the news for sucking a woman's foot that's yeah. why they're making jokes about sucking women's feet but this is it it doesn't need to be you know up to the minute topical humour does it you know the fact that Richie name checks John Selwyn Gummer you know all of like the kind of politicians of the day John Major all of that like that's lampooning them in a timeless sort of way like I can still rewatch that and find it hilarious because you know exactly what they're trying to get at but I wonder where the kids watching it now will be like who's John Major who's you know and they won't actually get it but the point being that we shouldn't have comedy that doesn't touch upon it at all just because it will age it and I, I do hope that there will be a lot more of those kind of sat- satire based like sitcoms that we can see more of if you're a working class comedy writer out there please submit your sitcom to the BBC and get it made and we look forward to seeing it very soon <laughs> Well, it's I that easy, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's been lots here that I think will inform our writing of the book. Uh, I hope so, yeah. To... Are, we, are we writing a book? <laughs> well, what about? Are you writing it? Which one of us is the one writing it and then the other two put the names on the cover? We are. You. We are. <laughs> We are all writing it. We're all right. equally writing it. It's always been my dream to share a platform with two other people and have my name last. <laughs> if we've discussed anything here today that has... Offended you. No, if we've discussed anything here that's intrigued you and you'd like to let us know your thoughts on uh, class and poverty and bottom, then get in contact with us. Our email address is 11mafferkingparade at gmail.com and our social media handles are at Talking Bottom. We'd love to know what you think. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and OnlyFans. See you next time. Bye. Bye.